What is up, everybody? Always. I'm having some trouble here, Jack. I'm hoping that the audio is coming through. I don't hear myself in the headphones. No? It could be a me problem. I hear you, buddy. Awesome. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you can hear. I get some comments already. I love it. Oh, look, Nick. By the way, yeah, so Nick really liked this uh, this Facebook element live we threw in. So Nick's actually throwing this up on Facebook Live. That's pretty exciting, actually. So for the people that cannot hear on Facebook Live, the audio... It's kind of a new thing. We're going to start doing this a lot more, but Jerry Rafferty is playing in our <laughs> headphones at the moment, and we can explain. I think I should do the explaining on this one. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Give All us right, the so a couple weeks ago, we did a, uh, we did a show, and we were talking about our favorite announcers in college basketball, and I mentioned what I thought was Jerry Rafferty, meaning Bill Raftery. So... <laughs> Who is, who is a color commentator, by the way? Right. So he, he's the guy that screams onions into the microphone. Um, and you know what? I, I, messed up, I messed that one up a little bit. So Bill Raftery is the guy that does the commentating, <laughs> not Jerry Rafferty, who, of course, is the singer, songwriter, saxophonist on Baker Street. Just brought us in with his musical stylings there. Yeah. Smooth so, jazz. Yeah, but it's a great song. So it was a good good one to come into today. It is a great song. I really enjoy that song, actually. I do, too. Also, before we get started, I want to get into one more thing with you. You messed up a date again, Jack. I did. So on, on this week's printout, Jack has the Saturday, April 6th version. Today's the 7th. Of From the Hill. Today's the 7th. So we got that out of the way. Thank See, you for doing that early on. You know, the thing is, it's sort of a shtick now that I say it out loud, or Nick can't really tell if I'm actually messing up the date on purpose, or is it an accident? We're not sure. I think he's trolling a little bit. <laughs> we'll see if it continues. So, a lot to get into today, man. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of sport. Um, both... I can't hear myself, really. No, turn your... St- t- I-, I had to turn up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of stuff going on. The first thing that I think we want to get into is college basketball betting. Some of the recap of yesterday. Jack didn't have audio there. That's what it is. All right. Hey, there I am. Oh, sorry about that, man. <laughs> well, you'll have the audio in the video. Yeah, there I am. Holla at your boy. Really killing it What's today. up, everybody? So, yeah, we wanted to get into a little bit of your live show yes. last week. Yes, yeah, so real quick. Let me give us the rundown real quick, Nikki, the announcement. So uh, I just want to remind everybody that the content will be uh, content will be timestamped in the description portion of the show, so you can skip to whatever part you like. Also, I want to give everybody a platform reminder. So uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it is official. We're up live. If you want to see the full show, you can go to YouTube. Obviously, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll see the full show. That's audio and video. But if you want to consume the audio-only versions, you can go to the iTunes podcast application or the SoundCloud application, and all of the From the Hill content will now be on on there as well trying to get at you guys from all angles so whatever way you can hear us if you want to listen in the car if you want to listen in the gym if you want to listen on your run you know wherever that's it we want to get to you so spread the word so yeah prof uh, what did you think about the first attempt at a live show on tuesday i loved it i love the i love the comments action that's why i have the facebook live going right now i see some stuff coming in some comments 
I'm going to try to get to them in a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how well that's going to go, but, you know, it's a trial and error thing. It's We're going to work our way through it. I said, you know, and I, I wanted to apologize to everybody whose comments I may have missed on the Tuesday show, but it was sort of a trial run. Obviously, I mentioned, you know, Prof was in Boston, so I, I was doing it myself, but I really wanted to give it a shot. But honestly, the feedback was unanimous, that it was great. Everybody loves getting involved with the comments. We had some funny ones. We had some dialogue going on. People were going at each other when we made comments. It was awesome. Love everybody contributing, and uh, we're definitely going to do some more live shows because it was it was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, whatever. Well, we're going to keep that going. Um, so there was a couple things that I liked about what you said. A couple things I disagreed with a little bit, and the first one is college basketball betting and the point shaving aspect of everything. I really, I really don't like the the use of the word point shaving. I know you hate it. It doesn't make sense. Well, it does in a way, right? Because what we talked about. See, here's the thing. When we talked about the Kansas Seton Hall game, that was really tough for me because I had to really reach on that being point shaving only because of the way the game played out, right? Right. But when you and look, that's what I wanted to say. This was a completely different situation. That's right. And when but when I looked at the Michigan game, right, the Michigan Florida State game, that was almost clear as day point shaving. It was, but it was for different reasons than what we talked about. We we were we were factoring factoring the bookie factor that bookies were going to these kids and these kids were getting paid to do certain things mm -hmm. like this this was a completely different angle of the whole thing and was it going on was was this you know let's use it for lack of a better term point shaving was that going right, on with right, right right with what was the coach's name oh the florida state coach yeah, yeah. I, for, I, forget I forget his, his name, name too but yeah. it was definitely going on yes and it was going on for a different reason it was more for the Covering of the spread and the what what has been brought to the table as the alumni factor. Right, sure. And I think I think part of that's my fault, Nick, because you know mostly mostly is. Yeah, part of that was my fault because <laughs> when I tried to talk about the Kansas game, right, I sort of was throwing out an example, but my point only was the fact that I felt like it was going on because it had that feel to it, right? And so I talked about how that one was a stretch, but my my overall point and the meat that I was talking about was the fact that I felt like these kids and coaches knew the spreads when I don't feel like they should, and they had a chance to get to something, and they did. Yeah. So that's that's the big portion of that one that I, I want to discuss. And obviously, definitely, like we talked about, that that Florida State-Michigan game was just egregious. The worst part was his interview with Dana Jacobson, right? When he goes, the guy it was, acted, it was very awkward. The guy acted like the, her asking him why you didn't foul with 15 seconds left down four was like from Mars. Yeah. And it's a perfectly legitimate question because everybody on the planet was wondering that. Completely legit question. But so you're right. It was definitely going on there. Different reasons were involved. And the thing of it is you can't really, you can't really, like you, you mentioned in the live show, you can't really prosecute on those, those certain things that came up. You can't prosecute for making points. You can't prosecute for keeping other teams' points off the board. Right. That's the name of the game, right? right? So it's a very strange thing that I don't know if anybody can really uh, monitor that or or kind of... Uh, it's nearly impossible, right? Like you just said, I mean, how do you? And, and the coach's quote-unquote explanation still flies, right? He's just saying, well, the game was over. I mean, everybody knows it wasn't. But then again, you don't necessarily have to foul to extend the game there, right? You can just concede yeah. and go down four. There's, like you said, there's no way to prosecute there's it. There's no way to, but to. You mentioned yeah. the FBI looking into all the other stuff. Why don't they look into this? It's hard to, it's it's, hard to make it's, a case yes, for that. It's very but, hard. So that was one thing that I wanted to get into. The other thing was uh, Jay Wright. You talked a lot about uh, getting him into the NBA and the possibility of him leaving Villanova. I say stay where you're at. So do I. He's got, he's got everybody coming back next year. 
for the most part, right? He's going to lose. He's going to lose Bronson. Bronson be gone now. Where's Bronson going? That's a great question, actually, and that's a his NBA prospects. I question uh, only because he doesn't have like a lot of the athleticism and the quickness and the foot speed and the and the jumping ability you like to see from an NBA athlete. Right. But he's definitely a next level player. I don't know if that's NBA overseas. That'll depend. I've heard like, like late first, early second. Yeah, possibly, and he'll get a good sniff. player. Peter, Very good player. A guy you want on the team. But... And that, that lefty. Uh, lefties, man, they just give people problems in the NBA. Look at James Harden. I'm not saying he's a James Harden type of player, but no. what lefties do is tough. But then again, James Harden in college, did we know James Harden was James Harden? No, we didn't. Right. I mean, but he was a fifth or sixth overall pick, yeah. so he went he went high. Actually, maybe third. Anybody after two or three, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? True. Yeah, a lot of times. So I, I want Jay to stay where he's at. He's, he's getting into the upper, upper echelon of, of coaches, and if you can bring in – one or two more t- national titles. Oh, I mean, you're up there with. He's going to be. So on, he's a legend. You have you have John Wooden at ten, which is nobody's going to get there. No, it's just a different era. It's a different, it's a different era. time. It can't happen now. It's never going to happen again to get to get somebody long enough to win ten. No, Coach K's got five. Adolph Rupp, who was a Kentucky the coach the Kentucky from coach, that's right. 1930 to 1972, has four. And then you have Roy Williams, Jim Calhoun, Bob Knight, all with three. Yep. So Jay's getting up there with those oh, guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned I mean, it. those are three legendary names right there. I mentioned on the show, the class that he's in just now is legendary, right? Because the only active coaches with more than one are Roy Williams, Coach K, and him. Definitely. So all of a sudden, he stepped into rarefied air just right there. And you're right. If he gets one more, he's going to be a thing of legend at that point, right? So For sure. That's uh, that's pretty aggressive. Um, yeah, I'm just moving the cameras around a little bit just to show Jack who's watching and stuff like that. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about, um, actually, there might be a couple of things, but the last thing I wanted to talk about was the Browns, uh, your, your take on the Browns. What's that, that nobody wants to play for the Browns? <laughs> nobody wants to play for the Browns. So, But you know what? They have made some moves here in the, you know, the, the last couple weeks that it's starting to develop and look like a team, look more like a team. So do you sell out for Saquon? You said sell out, and I don't think you really have to. Um, well, the, in, so the thing is, the thing is, in their case, right, you're right, the Browns don't have to sell out because they could take Saquon one and then wait for their quarterback at four. Right. My only point of that is is that even both cases, actually, of both of these positions you're trying to fill, running back or quarterback, if you don't have an offensive line, it's going to be a disaster again. And I don't care who you bring in at receiver – and cornerback, if you don't have an offensive line to block for those guys, right. they're going to win one game again next year. The, the the only thing that I'd have to say about the the their draft situation is if they really feel like there there's one quarterback that stands out, you you move up and get them. But th- this is a deep enough quarterback draft where if you're if you're like you know you're warm on somebody. You can take them at four. Somebody's going to fall to four, right? Yeah. So you you have the you have the kind of luxury of taking Saquon at one if you're okay with living with whoever's left over well, from the that's quarterbacks. That's the thing. Is is that something you're okay with, right? Because the Browns have played this that, before. That's what see, I'm saying. and I hate to say it because you know I love them, but see Johnny Manziel. See when they try and fill other positions on the field, little higher bit different. in draft, and wait for it. A little bit different. But they could. That's who they could be left with. They could be left with Baker Mayfield. Or Josh Allen, right? Somebody they may not be high on because all, if Darnold and Rosen go, or Darnold and Allen go, they could be left with somebody they're not that high on. Each for. of the guys you mentioned, though, are much higher, highly ranked prospects. More, more highly ranked prospects than Manziel. Than Johnny Football? Yeah, he went what twenty five? Yeah, he went so mid twenties. These, these guys are all going to be gone by 
five. Well, and the, well, the thing that the Browns risk here, right, is that you've got teams like the Bills who have now reportedly hot to get up into that spot. And so you're really, again, you're putting it out there. If you take Saquon one, you could easily see two quarterbacks roll off two and three. And then are you going to be putting the future of your franchise in your third rated quarterback? Hmm. That's that's such a thing. But then that's again, what I'm here's the thing that, about the Browns, if right? You, if you have up front, if you're that high on somebody up front, well, yeah. I mean, it just depends on how much you think Saquon really factors. I mean, personally, I have a real problem taking a running back number one overall. I do, I, I do too. But we haven't seen a running back like this. For I quite tend some to time. agree. I tend to agree. So it's it's this way or that way. But the thing is, here's the upside if you're the Browns. You know, the Giants had talked about needing to maybe take a quarterback at this pick only because they may not be back up this high again. If you're the Browns, you know you'll be in the top five next year because yeah. you stink every year. So you get another top five pick next year. We'll see. I think they, they definitely need some help on the lines, in the trenches, as in, they say. At the um, game's won in the trenches, right? So, but they're definitely making strides in the right direction. I want to see good them be them. good. I hate to see a team I don't really care either way, but win one game over two years. It's embarrassing. Sure it is, but they're the Browns. They, uh, they are the Browns. All right, so... The last, uh, the last thing I completely agree with you on Morris' comments on uh, Rosen. So I, when he s- initially started saying stuff a couple weeks ago, I said, "Well, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to get his stock yeah, down. Yeah, he's trying he, to sandbag. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go to the Browns. Yeah, that's the first thing that I thought. I don't I don't know why it's not been brought up. Well, you know what's crazy? Anywhere else? I've heard more commentary this week. Actually, a show that you like to listen to, I believe, the Dan Patrick Show. So I had. Uh, there was commentary on that show, and it was Peter King, who I really respect as a writer, and he was even on there saying he's concerned about the comments Mora made. And to me, it's sort of mind-blowing that nobody's talking about this angle, this sandbagging right. angle. You know, I heard a, a weird thing, actually pretty controversial, and may have been fake news, but it's just going over the top on the Rosen thing, that Rosen had talked about not want, or wanting to play in New York because of the Jewish presence in New York. I just heard that recently. But that's how far these guys are going to try and keep him away from Cleveland. So if you don't think that his coach is doing the same thing— I don't get how people can't make that connection. Well, yeah, he's he's kind of going he's going around the houses as they say. He's, <laughs> right. he's beating around the bush and he's so for more to say that and drop his stock, it's not really tampering. You no. can't blame him for tampering. It's just a, an outside guy. That's it. Given his opinion. Yeah, I mean he's not at UCL anymore, so he can yeah, say what hey, he wants. It's a good way to control what what you want to happen. I agree. And and like so. I said, the fact that guys like Peter King and respected writers are saying that that the coach saying about them concerns me. I, I don't know. All right. Well, that was from last show. That was my thoughts from last show. Like I said, I thought it was awesome. I really want to keep doing the live shows. I'm having some trouble on the Facebook Live, kind of bu- kind of buffering a little bit. So for for those of you that were trying to tune in that way, apologies for the uh, the lack of cell service or data service, whatever it is. But let's uh, let's jump on to UFC. The UFC. The lead. We don't talk a lot of UFC, but we don't. It, this is certainly um, a topic of discussion. Well, because Connor. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor brings the news. Wow. So if you've seen the video, and Jack and I were talking, there's video out there from all different angles of this. Uh, Conor McGregor attacks a bus. Yeah, so let me give you guys kind of the layout here. So if you don't know, if you're not a big UFC follower, UFC 223 is set to go off this Saturday. So Thursday at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, McGregor and his crew show up there. Now, McGregor's not on the card for Saturday, right? Because he hasn't no. fought in the UFC since before the Mayweather fight. He was in Ireland at the but, beginning of this week. Yeah, he. but he, so 
what happened here that really got his grits overcooked is Dana White was stripping his 155-pound title. Now, for another half step back, McGregor currently, or as of Monday of this week, was a double belt holder in UFC, the 145 and the 155. But he has not fought in almost two years, That's right? right, and he has never defended his 155. He won it and then hasn't defended it, and so... Dana White, and then McGregor didn't have any plans to fight soon either, so Dana White saying, look, you can't just hold a title and not defend it, so this week he's going to strip his title. Of course, that gets Connor a little fired up, but setting the stage, so he shows up (laughs) to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn with the guys that are in his fighting sort of posse, right, or his crew they trains with and he's friends with and fights with, and just goes absolutely nuts in the loading dock area. Uh, the video is pretty incredible, but he tried to toss multiple heavy objects, right? Some of them got blocked. Yes. He started with some trash cans. <laughs> right. So just to just to back up a little bit, his his boy, the guy on his quote unquote team, gets into a fight or an altercation. This is this guy's Artem Lobov is is his his man. Right. right? His training that's, partner, that's yeah, his buddy. That's his bud. Yep. So he was confronted by this guy, Khabib Nabav Nabav Meadow. And they're supposed to fight. They're on this card. So they get into a fight at the hotel Tuesday. And what happens, and this is the bizarre part, is Connor's in Ireland. They fly in, and he brings like 20 dudes with him. Like oh, yeah. They Irish show up squad deep. Gangster style. He, he flies everybody in. Um, so when you see it from different angles, the first angle that I saw was just a bunch of guys kind of running. And you didn't see, you saw trash cans, they're like knocking over trash cans. And I'm like, oh, they're knocking over trash cans. It seems innocent at first. And then you see the angle from inside the bus. And here comes Conor McGregor. And he's holding a, like a like it was a hand truck, a hand truck, a metal a hand dolly, truck. And he throws yes. it and you just see the window smash Spider. and they show the guy's <laughs> face cut open. It's pretty insane. It was pretty aggressive. So it was, it's insane. He tried to pick up everything there he could. He tried to throw trash cans. He got blocked. Actually, the footage from inside the bus that, that bus that Nick mentions is insane because you see them lowering the metal safety gates to try and stop him from throwing a fucking barricade. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah. But he gets the hand truck through, and it spiders the glass on the window everywhere. It was a pretty insane scene. We've got some commentary here. Uh, Dana White joined uh, the new show on ESPN, Get Up, and we talked about the incident here that we want to let you guys listen to Dana. And, and to be clear, you've spoken to him since this, yes? We had a text session yesterday that was not uh, and very good. It was, a, you know, most of the things I would rather not say and probably can't say on, on TV. Are there any details you can share with Is us? Is he apologetic at all? No. Okay. He said that he was apologetic toward Rose, because Rose Namajunas was very upset. Um, he, obviously, Michael Chiesa, and he didn't know at the time Ray Borg was hurt, too. But, uh, you know, he was apologetic about the people that, uh, you know, he wasn't trying to hurt, but he felt like the Khabib thing had to be done. You know the way this stuff works. You know half the world out there is saying this was a stunt, this was planned, this was fake. What's your reaction? This is the last stunt on earth we would ever pull. I mean, this is embarrassing for the sport and, you know, for obviously for the UFC, and this is the furthest thing from a stunt. This is is bad. All right, so that was Dana White, and what he's basically saying is, uh, I'm not backing Connor up. 
So essentially, what the big thing here was what came out, right, and what prompted, you heard Greeny's question about, is this a stunt? And when you watch the video live, it sort of has that feel to it because it has like a WWE feel, right? It looked stunty. They're picking stuff up. They're throwing it. And if you didn't hear the background, right, that Nick and I laid out, you could think that this was easily a stunt. But that's the part in the interview that Dana White really was adamant about the fact that, no, this isn't a stunt. I had two of my fighters on a card get hurt, and now they're off the card. Now they're scrambling for a card to fill up a card for a UFC pay-per-view that they charge, what, $65 for, $75 for? And some of these main fighters are off of it, and it was absolutely not a stunt. It was legit, and it was horrible. So the next step of that is, right, Conor McGregor had to turn himself in to the police. He got arrested. Right. He's facing criminal charges, three counts of assault, and one count of criminal mischief. Right. So if this was anybody else, it would be very easy to kind of not make a big deal about this. As you, as you know, and as we've seen over the, the past, fighters are, have a natural tendency for violence. That's why they're fighters, right? So they, they have a few screws loose to begin with. But what's different here is Conor McGregor is bigger than the UFC. He, he's actually more famous than the UFC. He's outgrown the UFC. So he is the face of of the UFC more so than Dana White at this point. Well, Would so you agree with that? I, I do agree. And actually, you, as always, Nick, great straight man, you're taking it where I want to go with this. Perfect. My opinion, Connor did this for a reason. I don't think he has plans to fight in the UFC ever again. That's just my opinion. I think he wants, excuse me, wants to fight McGregor or uh, Mayweather again. I think he wants the huge payday, but I don't think he ever wants to go back into UFC again because if he goes into the UFC after all this time off and loses, all that luster that he had built up and that bravado and the mystique of Conor McGregor is gone. What does he have to what does he have to gain at UFC anymore? Nothing. Because Nothing. you see so many times, and we've seen it with Ronda Rousey, where she kind of outgrew the UFC. She was bigger than the sport itself. And then she went back into the ring. And then she was embarrassed in front of That's right. Billions. And you know, she's into the to the WWE now. There's a Hollywood aspect that goes on. Right. I think McGregor's heading that way. Dude, I'm telling to you. To make his money. He's getting paid. I totally agree. He, he had that one fight. He got paid more than he's ever got ever paid in the UFC. UFC. And so how can you go from that Mayweather fight when he got paid more than he got paid his entire UFC career and go back to fighting UFC for the money that he gets? That's why he talked about trying to get ownership in UFC, right? right. He needs to, if he's ever going to fight again, he's going to have to get paid at exponentially higher levels than anybody ever has to fight in the UFC before. And I just don't see that happening either way around. I don't see UFC agreeing to those terms. And I don't see Connor. So I think he did this calculated enough so that he sort of keeps himself relevant, keeps himself in the news, but gives himself an out to not have to fight in the UFC for a year. He could be easily facing some sort of ban, right? So it coincides with him not fighting in UFC anyway, and then right. sets up the next Mayweather fight. Like, is he going to face jail time for this? Probably not. So what's what's 50K? What's a charge on your record if you're Conor McGregor? It's free publicity is what it is. It really is, and it's kind of sad, but that's that's the way it is. But when you are the face of an organization and you are the, you know, you're bigger than the sport itself, you, you, can you imagine LeBron James or Mike Trout doing something like this? Well, I can sort of imagine something similar to this that we talked about at the Malice at the Palace. Right, but not— They but, weren't superstars. But not the top, not the top guy guys, in the game. Right, you know? like so, if, if, if LeBron James was involved in a fight with fans. And, and the fact that he tried to, he, he, what Dana White said, tried to justify his actions, it's a little bit crazy— the publicity side of things is he's going to stay in the limelight uh, even if he doesn't fight in the UFC. No, and that's that's where I'm going. I think, honestly, his goal was just to get back into the light. Let's be honest. Have you heard from McGregor in the last six months? Because I haven't. 
No. Well, when was the fight? When was the Mayweather fight? Mayweather fight, I feel like, was like six months ago, right? It was fall remember. of last year. Yeah, I don't remember. I fell asleep. I fell asleep before it went off. <laughs> I really did. I got it at my house. I had some people over. But yeah, I think it was the fall of last year. So yeah. six months ago. And, and we're talking about him. Yeah, so. and that's what he wanted. Yep. So that's all we have to say about the Conor McGregor deal. Yeah, more uh, to come. definitely more to come more on to come. it. More to come. We'll get the updates um, on the criminal stuff and, and the follow-up from that. But what I'm really interested in, and I'm going to check it out later today, I don't even think that they've finalized it yet, they're scrambling to fill guys in for this pay-per-view card now. Yeah, there was a couple different reasons for that. One was the the guy that got cut was on the card. He's he's not fit to fight at this point. The other, right. other thing uh, that was unrelated to this was there was someone that did not make the weight, right. and they're looking to fill in, you know, a I heard, guy on a couple hours notice. Right. I heard up to four guys are getting, yeah. uh, have been cut from the card. And that's what, like half of a pay-per-view fight? Like Dana White has got to be behind the scenes just killing himself right Well, now. so the most, yeah, when the most interesting thing happens, uh, you know, in the hotel loading area, th- this isn't a good card for them, but it's generating more publicity than... Right. Well, if Connor was on the card, it'd be great because everybody would watch, but he's not. I, and think, so- I think people will now watch to hear commentary from... You know Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan on on the matter. You listen so, to Joe Rogan's podcast? I I have I have, and he's he's cool. He's funny. He actually, um, he, he comes at it from a couple different angles. He's funny, but at the same time, he tries to inform, and he kind of he does some kind of, uh, you know, life lesson type stuff. Yeah. So I, I like I like it. I don't listen to it religiously, but he's not bad. I'm not a religious guy with him either. But you know, I was talking about him in his podcast the other day. He's a really interesting guy. Just his whole setup, like how he got. It, to become who he is and UFC commentator and fear factor and everything else, right? It's pretty interesting to me. Fear factor. It was a while ago. That was a long time ago. But what's happening in the NBA, Jackson? So let's move to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I sort of... Uh, Threw that one in on you. Yeah, you did. It's good. I love... You know I love this tune. The cowbell. Yeah, uh, there's... We're down to the wire here. That's it. So... I talked about this on Tuesday, and now here we are Saturday, and more games have gone off. So legitimately, because it's the 7th, right, Nick? I'm just date-checking. It is the 7th, right? Today is the 7th. Today's the 7th. So the playoffs start next Saturday, the 14th. That's a week away, right? So we are getting down to the wire in the NBA, and a lot has changed. We're going to start in the Western Conference standings. Let's run down where we stand now because there's a big jumble from 4 all the way down to 10. And it's one of the closest races I've ever seen involving that many playoff slots. Right. So as we sit right now, right this instant, and it's probably going to change, we have Houston at one, Golden State two, Portland at three, uh, Utah's at four, New Orleans five, Spurs six, OKC at seven, Minnesota at eight. And Minnesota, as you as you pointed out, they are... Are, have Jimmy Butler back, and that's yes. a huge deal. Jimmy Butler just came back to to kind of try and save the Timber Bulls here, as Nick likes to call them, because they have slid huge in the standings without him. As of last night, they were tied with the Nuggets for that final playoff slot, and then the ten, the team in the ten slot is the Clippers. They're two games back, so they're literally hanging on by a thread. I don't think they can make it at this point, but that's how tight. There's only four games that separate the Jazz at four from the Clippers at ten. So there's a lot to be played for here in the last three games of the NBA season, which is really exciting, actually. There, yeah, there's a lot going on. So if you want to, we can go through the matchups as they sit right now. We're looking at number one, Houston versus Minnesota. Um, it's Like I said, it's a much better matchup with Jimmy Butler. Uh, but I'm glad he's back for his, you know, Twitter gifts and stuff. But 
is this going to be is this going to be a matchup at all? So here's the problem with that matchup. I think for the Timberwolves, that's a bad matchup for them and the way they play. Because when you look at the way the Rockets play basketball, that up tempo, they're going to completely nullify the Timberwolves' best player, and that's Carl Anthony Towns. They're going to get up and down the floor and completely pull him out of the game. Right. That's the problem for them. I, I think the Rockets are a real bad match, or the Timberwolves, like they're they just can't play with the Rockets just because that. That three-point up-tempo style is not how they play. I don't think anybody can play with the Rockets at this point. But uh, moving on to matchup number two, we're looking at Golden State versus Oklahoma City. So I, I love this matchup, and I want to I see this one happen. So here's my problem with this matchup, and I, I do too because you know how much I love Ross. But here's the thing about this matchup. The Warriors have owned Oklahoma City all year. and They own a lot of people. Yeah, true. More so there in that matchup too. And they dominated them again this week without Steph. With Steph back, the Warriors are going to smash OKC. I would like to see OKC. Well, advance. Steph won't be back apparently for the first round. For the first round, right? So um, I want to see I want to see Durant put put him on his shoulders and see the Durant versus his old team factor. I like that. I want to see if Durant can can do this on his own. I mean, I I honestly, like that Steph's out. The Warriors will sweep OKC. They will. They probably will, but. The, the star power in the game is is interesting. Is it does it is it sort of weird to you that OKC sits at the seven could possibly miss the playoffs with all the talent on that they team? They can miss the playoffs or they can go up. Or they can go up. It's that's the thing. They're, everything's within a half game in, in the bottom part of the West right now and it'll play out uh, I don't know what's going on today, uh who's as far as who's playing, but I, I like it. I like that it's an it's an early I don't know if you want to call it test, but it's an early test for Golden State. I think they've cruised through so much of the season that I don't know if that's going to help them or hurt them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I agree. You with can you. get you can get rusty doing that sometimes. It's, and the, it's, it's, it's a the little rest bit theory, right? It's the do you rest games, the last game of the NFL season, or right. do you rest guys in the NBA? Personally, I think the Warriors are just you know my take on them. I think they're the best team I've ever seen. I've never seen any team score at a clip like they do. Plus their defense, I. I don't think anything can stop them, minus injuries, right? Like if Steph's not right, if they've got guys getting hurt. I know Clay was a little banged up. He just came back. Durant's been a little banged up. That's the only thing, in my opinion, right. that can stop them. I, I agree with you, but I don't think over the last couple of years that they've that they've coasted the way that they have this year. No, absolutely not. So I'm I'm interested to see if that's gonna if that's gonna cause some rust or if the rest is gonna help them. True. Um, they they need to get Curry healthy. Obviously, he'll be back. I think for the the second round. It, if they make it, they're going to make it. Um, the third matchup, Portland versus the Spurs. Both teams mediocre at the moment. Um, last 10 games, the Spurs have gone 6-4, and four, Blazers 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. Nobody's lighting the world this on fire. This is an interesting matchup. Here you could easily see the Spurs beating the Blazers just because of their experience. Uh, and by the experience, I mean age, right? I've talked about how they're really old. The Blazers can light it up. They've got one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Uh, I mean, that would probably be, honestly, the bet, the most interesting matchup in the West, only because if you look at the 4-5 as it stands now, does Jazz Pelicans excite you at all? I mean, not really. You like to see Anthony Davis just to see if he can did you see his, on to did, the next. Speaking of Anthony Davis, did you see his April Fool's joke that he pulled on everybody? No. He put a thing up, and Barstool got involved too, that he – had done a nice fake shave of the unibrow and put it up on April Day. Oh, really? Yeah, and everybody went wild, like, no, I the brow's not, gone. I did not catch it. Yeah, and then he came out the next day and, and didn't say it was gone. So, yeah, we'll see We'll see how the, the teams shape up here for the matchups. Um, I think, honestly, yeah, like you talked about, the most compelling thing are where the, thunders land, the thunder lands here and then 
are the Warriors going to be healthy? Because if they're not healthy by the time they get to the Rockets, they need a full contest to beat the Rockets. My opinion, they need everybody to beat the Rockets. Yeah, that's that's what we're we're pretty much banking on. So I, you know, I just have a question here: Do any but two of these teams have any shot of getting out of this the West Western Conference alive? I mean, it's a two team race. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the matchups are going to be fun to watch. As far as you know, Portland Spurs might be okay. Um, I did have a question to ask you on here. Do you think that that the age of the Spurs is going to help them or hurt them as far as experience versus? being slow but i think you you kind of alluded to that a little bit um utah new orleans you know their last 10 games utah seven and three they're they're kind of they're kind of going well right now um but yeah i think we we both agree and i think everybody out there would agree this is a two-team race in the conference let's move on to the east matchups which are a little bit more interesting the east is nuts right now i sort of alluded to this on tuesday but there's been a big update since tuesday that we have to start with now i said on tuesday that kyrie irving may be out for the rest of the year we got confirmed yesterday kyrie irving knee surgery out for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs yep now the east is truly wide open it truly is and i'm very excited because our Philadelphia 76ers are the hottest team in the, the sport. The Sixers are red hot. So let's sort of give you a quick lay of the land of the East, right? As it stands now, we still have the Raptors at one, right? And they've sort of run away with that one seed, especially with Kyrie and the Celtics. Yep. So the Celtics sit at two. As of last night, and we're going to get into this game a lot after we go through this portion of it, the 76ers sit at the three seed and the Cleveland Cavaliers sit at the four. Yep, and then from there you have the Pacers at five, Heat at six, Bucks at seven, and Washington at eight. Some of the bottom matchups are going to probably be moving around because there's still some shaking out to do yes. as far as who lands where. But the matchups as they as they look right now is Toronto versus Washington. Does, does Toronto want this matchup? No, they don't. Remember we alluded to this back a couple weeks ago, actually, when we were talking about sort of the playoffs starting to shape up. This is a worst-case scenario for the Raptors. They're going to get the Wizards at the eight. Uh, I didn't get a chance to check John Wall's injury status, but if John Wall comes back, the Wizards are a better team than Toronto at the one seed. And you get into the playoffs and how they have struggled mightily in the playoffs and they have to play the Wizards in the first round, I could right. easily see an 8-over-1 upset. We'll we'll see about the John Wall thing. I don't know if it's going to be that easy for just, for him to just jump right back in. True. Right now, their last 10, they're 2-8, and eight, so they're not exactly setting the world on fire. They're Toronto's running, running mediocre right now as well. and they don't, But they don't care. Toronto's locked up that one, so they're kind of whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, it should be an interesting one to see if Wall gets back into the mix. Yes. That's that's really going to be the one that's to the watch. That's the key, I mean, because I don't think the Wizards can beat the Raptors without John Wall playing, and at least playing at a semi-high level. I don't think that they. I don't think the Wizards can beat them either way. Really? I, I don't. I think that. I think that the talk about Toronto's lapses in the playoffs is kind of. You're starting to believe got, gotten, gotten the them gotten them woke a bit. That, that Dino with the basketball has got you believing. That's my he? favorite. It's my favorite <laughs> one. Um, I like the Timberwolves too. Um, so the second matchup, Boston versus Milwaukee, the Bucks. Uh, does does this does this work for Boston without Kyrie? They've That's been running crazy. okay without. They have, but can the freak carry the Bucks over Boston without Kyrie? Does he do enough other than jump out of the gym? I mean, yeah. He does a lot. I, I'm really interested in that series if that's how it holds up. The Celtics over 
I mean, surprisingly, they've been playing well without him. They have, they have. But playoff basketball is a different, sure. a different monster. And the problem I've talked about this with Boston without Kyrie is they struggle to score without him. I still think they beat them in the Garden. In the Garden with the home, the with pack, the home court, the Pack A floor. If they have the home dude, court advantage, dude, do you get them to- tickets, bro? Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's an interesting one. It's a little less interesting without Kyrie, to be honest. I want to see him on the floor because I like watching Kyrie. But uh, and so the next matchup. The Philadelphia 76ers versus the Miami Heat. I don't really like the Sixers playing the Heat, to I be honest. I hate it. I actually tweeted this out last night. So after the so Sixers. So we're on the same page yeah, here. The six, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll give you more insight in this. The Sixers, uh, after they beat the Cavs, I was on Twitter. Uh, I went after Colin Cowherd, right, because he's a, a Sixer hater. Do. Yeah, and he's a LeBron lover. And then I saw that the executive producer of the Levitard show, Mike Ryan, had tweeted out that he wants the Sixers, and I had to tweet back at him and say, unfortunately, you're right. The problem here with that is that Hassan Whiteside That's and That's what Embiid, I have written down Yeah, here. man, they have that feud, and Whiteside plays out of his mind really against did. the Sixers. Yeah, he was all over them. And he's big enough and athletic enough and skilled enough to, to give JoJo problems unlike many other guys in the league. So the the second part about it is he's going to be playing with this mask on. He, right. He, he's going to, and it's going to be a little bit different for him. I think he might embrace it a little bit, so that would be a good thing. I think that, that certain, certain things fire JoJo up. And with the home court advantage, I, I still think we would – get by the heat but they do play as hard and Whiteside is a pain in the butt and here's the problem too with him playing with that mask on Whiteside's gonna bang on him man so like I the whole thing worries me about playing the heat I would love to see this change for the first round only while Embiid has the mask on I don't mind seeing the heat overall I just don't want to see him have to play Whiteside in the mask right. coming off of what two three weeks removed from orbital fracture surgery yeah the, there's history there um the I've had the orbital bone thing. I haven't had to get surgery, but it's not it's not that bad. Yeah, we're gonna it's actually really, we're gonna talk about that yeah, we'll later. Talk about that Nikki's later. teasing you the injuries, and then the final matchup. So the last the matchup you got your Cleveland and your Pacers. Yeah. And, okay. So and, the, this is this is the mm-hmm. most this is the underhyped team versus the overhyped team. Nick's favorite new player in the NBA, Victor Oladipo, so and his Pacers. The Pacers are they they are they're underappreciated for being a half decent team. They don't get any pub. That's okay. Ho-hum. They're from Indiana. Cleveland, on the other hand, and justifiably so, gets overhyped to be this really great team. And um, they're good, but we saw last night they can be beaten, even when LeBron's ready to go off because I mean, he went off last night. He went off last night. So let's get into that. Let's talk about last night. So I'll set the stage here for you on the stakes that were at line. The Cleveland Cavaliers came to Philly to play the Sixers. Going into the game last night, the Sixers were a half game behind the Cavs for the three seed. So that was on the line last night, whereas there was only three to play after this, right? Huge game, playoff implications, all down the line. Yes, sir. Remember, Joel Embiid did not play last night. So the Sixers are Embiidless playing the King and the Cavs. Yeah, and it, they came out of the gate and— um, As they almost always do. They came out of the gate and went up 30 hot. points. They destroyed the Cavaliers. They're up 30 at the half. Well, close to 30. It was 78-55. Let me do that math. That's, what, 33, 32? Yeah. Sure. Ridiculous. I, I trust your math. I don't know. It was horrible. It was bad math. I think they, it's like 25. They came, out, they came out roaring. And uh, going into the third quarter, things started – the momentum shifted a little bit. Yes. And he, here's, here's my problem with when the Sixers do this, and I've been talking about this all year. It's a combination of things. So, one, you get up so much, 
right? And basketball is a game of runs, always. You get up so much that you start to get a little lax gaze goal on defense and on offense. They turn the ball over, bad possessions. You start taking bad shots. You yes. start taking shots that you wouldn't otherwise take. Bad shots, bad possessions, and turnovers, and then teams going to run. Not to mention the fact that this team has the best player in the world, and so they're going to come roaring back. The Sixers have lived like this all year where they get up 20 and then they let a team come back, but they can hang on late. But when you play good teams like this, you can't necessarily do that. You're never going to stay up 30-some points for the entire game, but you got to try and get better shots and better possessions. And they go through these long stretches where they don't. And as Nick mentioned, they got obliterated in the third quarter and let Cleveland come roaring back into single digits to go into the fourth. But the important thing is that they did, they hung on and they fought the entire game. They really did fight the entire game. The, the the couple points that I saw um, that, that really stood out to me is J.J. Redick is such a massive part of this team. He's so good. He's he's such a big part of this team because he's a constant threat from the outside and inside. I mean, he, like I like I mentioned, like he's starting to get to the, to the rim a little bit more and get to the line a little bit and more. You, and I wanted to stop you there because we talked about this, remember, with Redick and getting the cup. And remember, he's shooting the ball so well right now that teams have to overplay that shot. And then he is so dynamic that way. He draws a lot of fouls from the outside, too. Yeah. I mean, you like what he brings to the team, we talked about this, him and now even like Bellinelli, right? And these guys that can stretch right. the floor is so important because Ben can't necessarily I, do I that. I want to mention something about Bellinelli later, but to, to keep going on Redick, Another important part are his celebrations. Have you seen them? Yeah, he, he does some awesome celebrations after he makes the shot. And seriously, I'm being serious about this. It's important because he is the, he's the true veteran on the team. Oh, yeah. On a team of such young guys, for him to go out and show that kind of swag and like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to be in here with LeBron. Like, we can play with these guys. And he kind of, he kind of kickstarts all that. He gets the swag going. And you see it carry over to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is, is swag to the max. Like, he doesn't care. He He's playing with, like, flash. He wants to dunk on your face. Yeah, and and he does, he does not play like a rookie. He's a rookie, technically, but he is playing like he's five years in the he's league. He's so good. So to, to build on Nick's points, J.J. dropped 28 last night. He shot the ball very well as he's been down the stretch. And you're right. It's part of what he brings because he carries with it the veteran clout, the respected clout in the league as a premier shooter and player. And Ben went off last night, okay? Ben, 27, 15 rebounds, 13 assists. Yeah. Insane. LeBron also went off, (laughs) 44, 11, and 11. He's still the best player in the world, and he shows you at times – how still unstoppable he is at 33. You know, I saw a crazy thing mid-game about LeBron. They showed his draft class and where these guys are in the league. I did see that. It's crazy. So LeBron went one, right? Darko Milicic, we all know about him. Right. Chris Bosh goes three. He's gonzo, right? Yeah. Or sorry, Carmelo goes four or three. He's, you know, whatever. Bosh is four, gone. Corver D- was down there. Corver's like still down the bottom. D-Wade, right, he's winding down his career. All the rest of these guys are still in the league with their careers winding down, and LeBron's still the best player in the world. Yeah, it, it's insane. He's definitely a freak, and he did a lot of bitching last night. He um, always some, does. Sometimes rightfully so. He gets hung on by a lot of guys, but it, it, I don't really like that aspect of him. I don't think anybody does except for Cleveland, but um, – yeah, he, he's still unbelievable. Um, I want to get into something else real quick about Ben Simmons. So does does he need a jump shot for you? 
Yeah, he did a jump shot. I'll tell you what I saw last night that I loved, and it was part of his jump shot. So, like, so would you take him though if he if he never developed a jump shot? Of course, right? Like he's. I would take him as is right now. Of course, hundred percent over almost anybody else in oh, the league. Right? Absolutely, hundred percent. I would take his athleticism, his ball handling, his size, everything that he brings, his court vision. I would take it all. He, he creates so many open looks like wide open dunks and wide open shots for all for everybody and he's so big but he does need a jump shot but it doesn't necessarily need to be a ranging three what i saw from him last night i loved it so down the stretch there was a late possession got a little scattered he got the ball back with about three he's at the free throw line he makes a spin move uh turn around fade away jump shot and bangs it all he needs is that mid-range jump shot, and it's not broken. He just doesn't take it as much. But he knocked that down late, and it was huge. He's knocking everything within 15 feet. He's I Yes, mean, and that's where he can live because the dude's 6'11 and can ball handle like a point guard. Yeah. So he can live in there, and he's so big and athletic. Be- best player in the in the NBA in like three, four years? Ooh, maybe. For Remember, and there's another guy that's sort of like him, only more athletic. If he can develop more of a jump shot too, that's the freak. I think I said this last year. I think Giannis will be the best player in the league in two, three I'll years. I'll take Simmons. I, ben Simmons is a better basketball player than Giannis, but Giannis is pro- one of the most freakish athletes we've ever seen. I, I agree, but I still take Simmons because I think he makes everybody around him so much better. I do and, too. And to, to to build on a team, I mean that's that's all you can ask for. Speaking of like, you know, a, a key piece of the team. Where was Dario last night? I didn't see much of Dario. Dario didn't play very well last night. No. Although, for his credit, he's played incredible down the stretch, uh, and we will need him throughout the playoffs. I think Dario had a rough draw last night because he sort of split off time covering LeBron with uh, with Covington. And the problem, Covington is a great on-ball defender, but when I saw every time Covington was on LeBron, LeBron just backed him down because LeBron's so much bigger. He could do it to anybody. Yeah, but Dario's bigger, right, and 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 got more size to him, so he's able to sort of hang with LeBron more in the post. But then, of course, LeBron can pull you outside. I think he, I think he kind of cowered down a little bit to LeBron because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, what when Dario and LeBron got into it? No, last week when when they interviewed him and they said, "Who do you want to face in the playoffs?" He was like, "I'll face anybody except LeBron. I don't want to face LeBron." I don't know if you saw that interview. I didn't but that's see what, that. That's what Dario mentioned. So Dario? I think he's in you a mean, little bit of awe of LeBron. You mean, but you mean he didn't say too many gels, <laughs> so many gels. <laughs> No, but he he is a spark plug for the team, and when he's on, they're they're kind of unstoppable. Yeah, they are because what he brings right is another guy who, especially when he's making his jump shots, stretches the floor at his size yeah. and helps Ben stretch the floor. And he's again shot the ball very well down the stretch. The and- shooters are a big deal, man. Having those shooters on the outside, I mean, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, Redick, Dario, they can all shoot it from the outside, and it opens up the floor for everybody. That's why Ben can get to the cup or dish it to somebody who's like you know he's making Rashawn Holmes look like an all star. Oh yeah. So, um, LeBron's massive dunk and stare down of Ilyasova last night. What'd you take, a, take away from that? Unnecessary. It was pretty crazy, though. Unnecessary. It, it was a great play. It was, uh, it was a statement. I love that Ilyasova went up, at least, to try and contest yeah. it. Wasn't worried about getting the poster. Wasn't worried about what happened. You know what? Okay, In LeBron. a game like that, you got to do that. Oh, sure. It's a huge game. Okay, LeBron. I can't wait till Ben dunks on his guy. The thing of it is, LeBron can do that every single time. Almost, yeah. He he can. Well, I don't he tried. Doesn't do it more. Well, but do you remember earlier this season he tried it against Embiid and Embiid blocked him bad. He tried to dunk on Joel and Joel was like, "Uh uh-uh, uh, son." Because let's face it, LeBron at thirty three can't out out athlete Joel Embiid. Uh there's a case to be made <laughs> for it. But is so big. 
he can do that every time. Um, so some other takeaways from the game. I saw a lot of evidence that LeBron wants to come here. <laughs> yeah, you mean you mean I also had tweeted this out that Ben Simmons might as well be LeBron's son. Yeah, the Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah. So on Twitter, Ben Simmons was going back and forth with LeBron and you know posting pictures of them hugging and, and kissing before the game. Yeah, and said the Fresh Prince and King James and uh, LeBron came back a couple of times. They went back and forth. But, yeah, they were bro-hugging on all social media platforms last night so, after the game. So, yeah, and as uh, as uh, LeBron's over toward the bench, he's talking to Embiid, he's he's chumming it up with everybody. Um, there was a good energy in the crowd last night. That's got to be a big factor for wanting to come over here. Seeing the young guys, you know, seeing the push that they're making the, this last stretch, and, and you look at them as LeBron say, I want to get a couple more titles, I'll scoot on over to Philly. That's it. So, That's it. And we talked about this before. I don't see – it doesn't make more sense for me when you talk about potential landing spots for LeBron than to come to Philly because he stays in the East, and legitimately, if he comes here, they're a threat to the Warriors day one with this team as constructed now. Look, Fultz is starting to contribute oh, and yeah. play well. I, like, don't, I don't even have him listed here, but he's he's been He's been watch. playing very well. Like, if LeBron comes here, they're the best team in the league rivaling the Warriors. And if he wants to go through 34, 35, and 36, sort of getting into the twilight of his career with his right. best chance to win, I think undoubtedly from a basketball perspective, it's right here in Philly. Definitely. I was dumb to say that. We may not want them. It was just a feeling. Like it, I, I said you it up front that it was stupid. I but. wanted to say to you that it's not, and the only reason that I say that is because there is something to be said for completing the process with these guys there and is, not bringing him in. There is. It's more of a moral thing. Like you feel, I, I don't know, but maybe better about it's it. Total the way that it happens. It's total redemption for Hinky for getting kicked out the door, but actually the process coming through, if they could do it without LeBron. It is, but, but I, you know what? I don't care. I want him here next year in no, the title, but, but so yeah. You need to understand, though, that part of that process, part of the entire process was creating a team that free agents would want to come into. And that's so, so you know, when and, you factor that in, that's... And they did that this it's year. It's not unpure. <laughs> not true. And they did that this year because look at Redick coming in, right? He saw what they had at the core and wanted to come here. Definitely. And he, he picked the right spot. Oh, 100%. This is a good spot for JJ. Oh. I want him to stay. I like him a lot. Um, last thing I want to talk about the game. Uh, Bellinelli kind of scares me a little bit. Why is that? Bellinelli's a, a good shooter. He plays hard. He's a good player. I like him. But he he's the kind of guy that he takes a fadeaway three-pointer with three guys in his face, and he makes it. Yeah. And then... Every shot is a three-pointer yes. with three guys in his face. Yes. He just wants to keep hawking he, it up there. So he, he if if I could... Which, last night, he was he was really good. He was, he was shooting, making those right? shots. He was making them. He, he was making them, you know, but, you know, the whistle would blow, and he would still make the shot. You know who I compare him to on the other side? He's like J.R. Smith. He will throw up the oh, no, oh, no shots all the time, but yeah. he makes them a lot. But see, the thing is, and I actually totally agree with your take on Bellinelli there, where I thought you may go is he can't ball handle. He had that bad turnover late when he picks his dribble up like right over half court and then he has to throw like a cross court pass and it gets intercepted. See, I'm not so much worried about I that. Don't You're want not going to find him. Here's what I like about him taking those shots. Somebody on the Sixers needs to be able to take those type of shots and has the possibility to make them and that's why I don't mind him doing that. But you need somebody like that. You have that. to limit that. Well, yeah, but he you, comes off the bench. I, I mean, it's I know, okay for but me. You have to limit it and you can't you can't just come out just hawking the ball three point fadeaways all the time with with guys on you. Like that's why that's why we have Ben. That's why we have Joe. You don't have to take those shots. Do you know what I sure, mean? Sure, sure. So I get it. He's good at them. He makes them a lot. 
and, and like I said, he was unbelievable last night, but it just kind of scares me. It's just one of those things no, I wanted to mention. I'm with you. So. I, I like that part of his game too. Like I said, I like a certain amount of that because on this team, we don't have a lot of guys who are like that. So I like that part of it, but yeah, it does scare me. And he'll take some bad shots. So, he'll take some bad shots. So kind of looking at the overall picture of things, they have a real shot. They have a real shot at winning the East. Yes. What, what, that would be insane. For insane. This year, right? Yes. Philly has been on a stretch. They have a legitimate year. shot at taking the East. I love it. I think I think they're going to be in the finals. I tend to agree. I honestly, for me, the big key is obviously Embiid. We can't do it without Embiid. As great as we looked last night, we can't beat the Cavs in a seven it's game series be, yeah, without Embiid. We need Joel, so it's going to be all about how he comes back from the injury. And it's to your point because it's an orbital bone, it might not be the biggest deal, but that's a like three weeks off from him playing, so that's conditioning. He's a big guy. There's a lot of factors that go into that with him coming back here. Right. So I think he's going to be the key because the rest of the team is rolling perfect. Definitely. So that's that's kind of a. Uh, an overall look at the playoff picture, how it looks right now, how the Sixers look going into things. We're going to kind of shift a little bit now. Yeah. We're, and we're going to get into my wheelhouse. Yeah, we're getting right into Nikki's wheelhouse. That's Major League Baseball. So, Phillies manager Gabe Kapler. Let's start there. Okay. So Let's start at local. Yes. Let me give you... So, Gabe Kapler apparently is a super analytics robot sent back from the future to kill John Connor. <laughs> I'm he scared. really is a... He, Quite a robotic guy. Yeah, well, he kind of looks like a robot. Right? If you've heard him talk, he sounds he like... He sounds robotic. He, he sounds like he, he's he's kind of uh, laid everything out that he wants to say and just reading off of his script. But Come with me if you want to live. So there's a couple things that happened over the last week, you know, starting from, I guess it was last Thursday, opening day, that have really drawn some concerns from the Phillies faithful. And uh, it started with game number one. It started with Aaron Nola... Uh, Kapler pulls Nola after 68 pitches. He's running smooth, and then he gets to the third rotation of their lineup. So if you know baseball, you know that there are stats that say when you get to the, the third time through the lineup, you're going to get hit harder. I mean, guys, find your, find your tendencies, pick up your ball, you know what you're going to throw when. Um, so it's a little bit more difficult to go through the lineup that third time. It's a real thing. It definitely is. There's numbers that say that. But are we going to pull our pitcher bef- the third time through the lineup every game? That's my problem with it. And he- so, actually, it's twofold here. So, starting there, to me, I called him the super analytics robot, right? And Nick alluded to it. The third time through the lineup, this is the third time guys are facing you. They're getting your timing down. They've seen your stuff. But s- sixth inning, one out recorded, 68 pitches, no earned runs yet. What's the problem? Right, he's rolling just fine, and you pull him. Here's my problem with it: with just the overall move, not where we just went to. You let him bat in the previous inning, Agreed. and he killed your best rally offensively Agreed. with a strikeout. If you know you're going to pull him the third time through the lineup, why would you even put him out there for one like one batter? Just just let it pinch hit, keep get a stick in there to try and keep your rally going, and then pull him. Why you send him out there for one batter? Because he is missing pieces to the game. He, re- he is missing parts of the game. And it's, he, it, managing baseball team is not that hard. There's a couple moves you got to make. I have less of a problem with him bringing, uh, t- taking Nola out. I really, I really don't care about that that much for game one because these guys kind of take a while to stretch out as starting pitchers. And the innings limits that these guys are facing throughout the year, that's a real thing. 
they should have certain innings limits, especially for a younger guy like Nola, where you don't want you don't want the Tommy John surgery in the middle of the year. So I was, so I have less of a problem with that. But what you're talking about, I do have a big problem with is that's a mental part of the game that needs to be pre-thought out. Like you need to know where you're at in the order. As a baseball manager, like you said, these are simple things. If you if he comes in after the fifth and you know his pitch count and you're running your analytics, which because he's a super analytics robot, it goes in his head. He doesn't have a computer, right? If you're running that way and you're going to run everything by the books, then you, why do you send him out there to the plate? That is just a that's a baseball 101. Right. So that's just one of the things that he's done. He's he's pulled Reese Hoskins, who's their best hitter, um, in key situations, so that when he hits his turn in the lineup, we don't have a bat there. Um, he has he pulled Velasquez. He's called can we wait can we talk about the velasquez one real quick i wanted to get into that so this velasquez one is almost inexcusable by the way guys i wanted to pull this up because i i started researching this more uh, and i want to give credit to deadspin deadspin wrote a couple really good articles about this so check them out Uh, i'm sorry i didn't record the author's name uh, but i'll put it up in the description of the video really good articles about this on deadspin so let's talk about the velasquez one because this is mind-blowing so he pulls velasquez in the third inning and he makes the call the bullpen for a pitcher who hadn't warmed up yet. Yes. This is, I mean, this is the talk most, about missing pieces of the game. This is the most inexcusable thing that a manager could do. And then the crazy part is, right, he's out there trying to stall, right, time, and the Braves manager comes out to argue, and he gets himself tossed out of the game, and rightfully so. I mean, the Phillies, Kapler should have got tossed out of the game for what he did, but the Braves manager gets tossed. Actually, we had some funny exchanges this week about that, talking about how Bobby Cox would have came out and just knocked him out or something. That was that was his MO. But, yeah, yeah the, the Hobie Milner into the game is an inexcusable thing. I looked up if this has ever happened before. It did happen before. It happened in Milwaukee in 2014. But other than that, I couldn't find anything where a pitcher was called into a game without – Warming up without being told to warm up in the bullpen. What can be the miscommunication? There can be none. And this is the problem with him and his moves. So here's the thing to me. If this is how he's going to manage all year with just always by the book strict analytics, then we might as well fire him and just let a computer manage because at least the computer will remember to click the button to get the guy to warm up in the bullpen or take the pitcher out in the fifth inning to hit. At least they'll make the actual correct moves in with them, even if we don't agree with them from a baseball perspective. So this early on in the season, and I'll I'll put my two cents in after this, are you ready to move on from him already? And I'll tell you why. And this is why, again, Nikki, the best straight man in the business, I am ready, and here's why. Talking about the Deadspin articles, I I dug into this last night because I was very interested in where he came from and his past. This is nothing new from him. He came from the Dodgers organization, right? And if you look back and you spoke with folks in the Dodgers organization, people saw this coming and thought that he should not be giving a managerial position right? Even as progressive as he tries to think, a lot of folks in the Dodgers organization hated him, hated his philosophies and the way he did business. I feel like this was a grave error and we need to move on immediately. I think that the analytics part of the game is real. I think there's there's certain things that you need to look at and take into account, but you need to make decisions that take into account what's going on in the game at the current moment and then look at the analytics and see what what's the best way to go about things? You know, if somebody's running hot, you don't pull them out because it, the book says you have to pull them out. Right, and he, that's my point that I was sort of alluding to on Tuesday. Yeah, and even further exactly. Down. Like you can't it, you can't run 
everything by the analytics book. If it tells you you have a 51% chance of success here, but yet you got a guy who's three or sorry, 49% chance if you leave him in, but you got a guy who's three for three who's running hot, you don't take him out just because they brought in a righty to face a righty. Yeah. You let that guy hit. Like you can't you can't manage a baseball game strictly by the numbers. You have to be in the game. That's that's part of the thing, it's, right? I don't think you'd find anybody that would disagree with that, but you know, I'm I'm willing to give him till June, July. Let's see. Let's see how things go as these guys get into the season a little bit. As things get warmer, there's certain, you know, there's certain factors that go in uh, to to making decisions early on in in the season. That, um, you know, just like I said about the pitching thing, it's 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 40 degrees here. You know what I mean? Sure. You're not gonna you're not gonna extend Nola beyond what he's no and supposed to do. But at least. In his defense on the Nola thing, and I talked about this a lot with our buddy from Wisconsin, Tom Nugent, and we talked to him because Tom's got him on his fantasy team, but we talked about this, and they've been doing this with Nola the past couple years, and I agree. Look, Nola's our stud pitcher for the future, and we don't want to throw his arm out on bad teams. So I sort of agree there, Mm -hmm. but in that case, 68 pitches, one out. He's not struggling at all. He can finish that inning. There's no no excuse for that part, at least. Agreed. you're right. It is way too early to run him out. I just, from everything that... It doesn't look good. It looks horrible. And then from reading about his past and what people thought about him, it really took me back to question well, how he got yeah, the Yeah, everybody knew he was a little bit goofy up front. But, right. All right. So enough on Gabe Kapler. Uh, I'm interested to see Arietta um, get in there. But um, moving on from the Phillies, well, let's, go, let's go big picture, see where everybody's at, just kind of looking around the league. Um, the way that the standings are early on, it's kind of... A lot of it's kind of how we thought it would play out. Um, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, Orioles, Rays. Yankees, what do you think of them? It's early. I mean, you know, I saw a funny thing what with the Yankees. Think, what do you think of Giancarlo getting booed? First <laughs> yeah, because he struck out five times. And and who told you that there was going to be more strikeouts in New York than ever? Oh, it's clear. But you know what? Who cares? And then I, he hit a moon and shot. Yeah, and then he hits say. a bomb. That's the thing about him, and that's the kind of player he is. Uh, if I was... Dan Levitard's poppy, I would say, oh, see, see, I'm very intrigued to see Giancarlo strike out five times, you know, because he, uh, that's what he does. He stink. That's actually, your, he can hit a home that's run. That's actually your best impression. Oh, you like poppy? Yeah, that's pretty good. No, I, I told you this was going to happen. I don't, I mean, I'm not, the Yankees aren't done by any means. No. I mean, they're going to, they're going to hit a lot of home runs and already you've seen it um, in one game that, that Stanton, Judge and uh, Sanchez have hit homers in the same game. So that's going to happen a lot. I, I like that. Uh, the Orioles, they're not looking great. Hmm. Things are pretty bad down there, and their pitching kind of stinks beside Dylan Bundy. Um, the Rays are exactly what we thought the Rays were going to be. Rays are bad. Poop fest. Um, so moving through the AL West, Astros, Angels, Mariners, A's, Rangers. How about Otani? That was awesome. Looks good. I love to see it. I, I, I want this to work. I want. I do. I kind of want him to revolutionize. Yeah, I want him to be able to contribute on the mound and at the plate, so I love it. Um, AL Central, Twins, White Sox, Indians, Tigers, Royals. Eh, not really a great division. The White Sox are an up-and-coming team. I'm really excited to see some of their younger guys come through the system. They have some pitchers that aren't even up yet that Those are going to be exciting. Pale hosers from the Windy City. They're going to be they're going to be fun to watch. Um, they have guys like Mankata that were stud prospects. I'm interested to see how they do. Um, NL East, Mets, Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Marlins. Um, Marlins are a dumpster fire. We if talked the about Mets, that. If the Mets stay healthy. Yes, if the Mets division, stay healthy, division they, over, they've right? Got, yeah, they've got a great team. Division over with that pitching rotation, um, but we've seen that pitching staff fall apart many, many we times. Certainly, now. certainly have. Um, NL West: Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. Dodgers way down there. Yeah, but it's they'll be fine. Kershaw looks bad. Yeah, that's fine. No concern. No. Uh, do you? A little with bit. With him? A little bit. 
I mean, what is it, two starts? He'll be fine. A little bit, and I really like the Diamondbacks because they have they have some pitchers now. You know, um, Granky, uh, Robbie Ray. If you, you know Robbie Ray, sure. A lot of strikeouts from that guy. They got they got a good staff. Goldschmidt. That's going to be a tough division for them because I think the Giants and Dodgers are both going to make the playoffs. They're both really good teams. So I, I don't. Giants, not so much, man. I, I don't I don't agree with you with the Giants. I think the Giants make a run. Um, oh, they're going to struggle now losing Bumgarner. That really hurts them. Yeah, broken hand. That sucks. Um, so did I say? Okay, so the Central we have uh, Pirates, Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, Reds. Uh, Pirates up front. Cubs in the middle. They're going to Cubs are going to pick it up. Cubs, yeah, Cubs are stacked, and they're think, they're they're off of their World Series hangover, so they'll be fine. Cubs win that one easy. So just a general look at uh, what's going on. It's early on in the season. I'm looking forward to getting into it a little bit more once. Uh, you know, we don't really dive full into baseball until we're through hockey and uh, NBA playoffs. But it's going to be a good season. It's um, a grind, right? There's, there's some there's some cool storylines out there that I'm interested in seeing how they play baseball out. Baseball season, the grind. So what we have going on this weekend, though, is one of the best weekends ever, and it's the Masters. The Masters, a tradition like none other. I should have had the music ready to go. I didn't. I know. Well, I it's all right. about that. We're a little short on time, yes. so I want to run us through real quick. Uh, highlights from the Masters. These guys are going to be going off soon here today. If not, they already have. Uh, yeah. So Sergio threw up a 13 on the 15th hole. That was really bad. He shot an 81. He's the defending champ, so uh, he it missed the cut. That sucks for him. Tiger made the cut, but he doesn't look good. I watched a lot of him playing. He's not striking the ball well at all. I like the new Tiger. Well, what this, is it, what is it a, that you like a, about him? There's a new Tiger that's been showing himself on TV. He's a little bit more humble. I feel like he's kind of taking a step back. Um, he's not as disingenuous with the media anymore. Uh, he's starting to show more respect for the game. He's starting to show more respect for the fans and the media and stuff like that. And he's a little bit more humble. I just like the new Tiger. I kind of like the old Tiger. I like him cursing and yelling and nah, shit man, like that. I don't that. need all that. I loved it. If, if he's if you just if you just go out and play the game, and he can still he can still play. I mean, I don't. I'm not counting him out. He's obviously he's well behind. But he's, I think he's still capable of putting up the, oh, I mean, the 65. Oh, he absolutely is. I mean, he I hasn't saw, done it yet. I but. saw I saw him hit a couple shots yesterday. He was he hit a, a little a bit of an errant tee shot, and he's sitting on the on the first cut, and he's got to get about 210 to the green, and he's got to hit a line drive shot, and he just hits a beautiful shot. Just a great golf shot. He's still got a great swing. By the way, the crazy thing about him, even with his back surgery, he's recorded the highest average swing speed on tour, which is great. So, um Patrick Reed leads the field right now. Then running down, Mark Leshman, Henrik Stenson, Rory, and Jordan are right there within four strokes of the lead. The dream final four for me right now is Dustin, Rory, Jordan, and Tiger. That would be awesome. Dustin's right there at three. Dustin is such a monster hitter. I love watching that guy play. Um, And then the last thing we wanted to talk about was – actually, you know what? We're going to skip the last part about it, but we'll say that uh, Tony Finau, he came out. he, He dislocated his ankle. But he throws up a 68 in the opening round after doing that. That was a pretty crazy story. Yeah, um, I've had some bad injuries before, but nothing, nothing on on course or golfing Ugh. like that. Dislocated ankle is pretty nasty too. Yeah, but that's it, guys. We're gonna wrap today up big from the hill. Don't forget, guys, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe on all of our platforms. Once again, that's YouTube. For your full show, for the audio-only versions, that's the iTunes application, the iTunes podcast application, and the SoundCloud application. Guys, we do it all for you. That's it. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Swags.
Happy Masters.